Hey there, Greenbelt Church. It's Pastor Kevin here. Welcome again to our Greenbelt online service. It is just so wonderful to be here on this online platform. And again, another crazy season <laughs> of this pandemic. Uh, just first and foremost, I just want to thank each and every one of you again for your patience and for your flexibility and also thanking you so much for your prayers. Um, you may not be aware of this, but some of the reasons why, I mean, there's multiple reasons, but one of the key reasons why we've made the decision to do the next few weeks, uh, last week and this week, just solely online instead of in person, even though our city and our province does allow us to gather and do services at a 50% capacity, um, we have a lot of people who have come down with COVID-19 who are part of our church. Now, I'm very grateful that this, this didn't happen at one of Greenbelt's events, didn't happen at a Christmas Eve service or anything like that, which is kind of after the fact. A number of people have come down with COVID-19, and a number of people have had exposure to people who've had COVID-19, and so they're, everyone's kind of following the guidelines and the restrictions. So that just means a lot of our volunteer base and even a lot of our staff are unavailable, that were, myself included. Um, I'm under a quarantine and isolation requirements from uh, Canada Public Health. So I'm working from home, <laughs> and that's, so that's just been the case for so many people. So I just really appreciate everyone's prayers and everyone's patience, and Lord willing, we will all be back um, hopefully by next week, but if not by next week, then definitely, um, you know, very soon. So it's definitely not going to be a long haul like it was last time. Just be praying. <laughs> Please be praying. And, and really, ultimately, if you've been coming to Greenbelt for any amount of time, you know that my heart is way more than simply putting on worship services for people to consume. You know, whether it's here online or whether it's in person, my biggest desire as your pastor is not to see you simply sit in front of a screen or simply sit in the chair at Greenbelt and just passively consume our worship experiences, consume our sermons, consume our Bible teaching. You see, that for me is a colossal waste of time for your life and for what God wants to do in your life. We were never meant to be spiritual consumers. As followers of Jesus, each and every one of us are meant to be spiritual contributors to the mission of God. Something that I learned when I was in seminary, one of my seminary professors who was a great mentor of mine uh, by the name of Dr. David Barker, in one of my classes early on, he held the Bible open like this, and he was talking about you know, how pastors get into this bad habit of sometimes studying the Bible to prep a sermon and other times opening up their Bible for their own personal devotion. And, and maybe you've heard that as well, too. Like, you know, don't neglect your, you know, your devotion time just because you're studying the Word of God. And he said that type of language is, is just hogwash. <laughs> I really appreciated his transparency on that. Because he said flat out every single time we open up this book, we come face to face with the living God. You see, that's why this is the living word of God. Every time we open it up, whether it's for a sermon, whether it's in your quiet time in the morning, whether it's for some deep dive Bible study and some expository preaching, whatever it is, you are coming face to face with the creator of all things. The Alpha, the Omega, 
the beginning and the end. You are coming before your Heavenly Father who created you for a purpose. For a purpose. And so that's why our ministry here as a church is structured around helping you grow into that purpose of leading people in knowing, living, and sharing your faith in Jesus. So this 2022 season, Greenbelt is celebrating her 50th year of ministry, and I really hope that you'll make this year a year where you will deeply, deeply engage in the mission of our church. And you can do that many different ways. You can do that by joining a life group. Our life group ministry is starting up again, and there is lots of space available for people who are looking to join a group. So you can check out the link through planning uh, the Church Center app or here at the Greenbelt Online website to find a group that works for you. If there isn't a time slot that works for you, email us. You can email our Associate Pastor of Discipleship. Email her at her email address is jen at greenbelt.church and tell her that a time that would work for you. Because if a bunch of people email her and say none of these times work, but everyone's got a similar time, she can create a new group. So be active in finding a group. Don't just be passive, be active. We also want to help people find ways that you can serve, be a part of the mission here. We've got lots of areas of ministry in this new year where we're going to need people to serve. We could really benefit from more people uh, giving financially to the work here. There's going to be more financial updates coming in the weeks ahead, and we praise God for everybody's generosity. But um, the more generosity that comes into the church, and that just frees up more resources to be a bigger blessing to our city and to our, our nation and around the world. And those are just a few of the ways that you can start to very intentionally not just consume, but to engage. I'm really excited. Today we are starting a five-week series. It's a topical series. And I do these from time to time. When I say topical series, we're not just going to go through one book of the Bible or one key passage of the Bible. Is We're going to go through all over the Bible looking at a particular topic. And this sermon series is called No Offense. And what we're going to do for the next five weeks is we are going to look at our emotions. Particularly the, most, the emotion of anger. Now, this past week, <laughs> for me personally, for the past six days, I have really had to lean in deep when it comes to how I'm feeling and the feelings and the emotions that I'm dealing with and that I'm wrestling with. You see, while my family was away on vacation, um, it actually wasn't really easy to rest because I kept watching the news and I kept staying up to date with what, everything that was happening at the church because so much was going on because of this latest wave of the pandemic. And, and, and I kept watching and watching and waiting for the ball to drop, for the hammer to drop, which is more rules and more lockdowns and more regulations and, and, and more challenges, right? And, and, and when all of that happens, when you're just kind of waiting for the worst of the worst to happen, I don't know about you, but in my life and my brain, my thoughts start turning to the worst of the worst. And I found myself becoming very offended over the last couple of weeks. Have you been feeling that way too over the last few weeks, maybe since Christmas and leading into everything that's going on right now with this Omicron variant? You've been feeling offended. You've been looking at certain people and just not thinking very nice thoughts about them. Looking at government officials and decisions that they have been making and not thinking very nice thoughts about them. 
Well, I really hope that as a follower of Jesus, that this sermon series will really help you in looking at your thoughts very carefully so that our thoughts can align, again, with the teachings of the Word of God. How does God want us to respond in times of challenge and in times of difficulty? And so the key verse that we're going to use as a theme verse throughout this sermon series comes from James chapter 1. And this is uh, James chapter 1, verse 19. And it says this. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. I love when the Bible says language like that. Take note of this. Like the Apostle James here, he's telling us that this is really, really important here. He's telling us that we got to listen. Take note. <laughs> and it's not just for some people. It's for all the brothers and sisters in the church. You and me. <laughs> it says, Everyone. Everyone. Now, the Greek here for the word everyone, the best way to translate that into English would be everyone. <laughs> no exception. No Christian has an exempt from this verse. This is everyone who has put their faith in the follower of Jesus. So take note of this. Everyone. What should everyone do? Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Let that verse just sink in for a moment. Take note of this, brothers and sisters. Everyone, no exception, every follower of Jesus, every man, woman, boy, and girl, whether you've been following Jesus for 80 years, whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes, doesn't matter. Everyone who is a part of the church, take note. You should be. This is command language here. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Over the past six, year, uh, six days, I have really been leaning into this verse. Now, I picked this sermon series about five months ago when I decided that this is what I was going to preach on for January, not realizing I was going to be in an isolation quarantine. I'm not allowed to be near my family. They're in a completely different part of the, the house. I've been living in our dining room. This room over here is our little sitting room. I've got a mattress on the floor there, and I cook the food in the kitchen for everyone else, and I leave it at the top of the stairs for them to eat. <laughs> there has been lots of opportunities for me over the last number of days to not be very quick to listen, <laughs> to be very quick to speak, and to very quickly become angry. How about you? How's your anger doing? How's your listening going? How's your speaking going? Right? So, and this is the challenge for us as followers of Jesus. Is our listening actually drawing people closer to Jesus? Or is the way that we're speaking and the way that we're acting and the way that we're behaving actually pushing people further away from Jesus? That's the challenge that I want us to look at specifically this week as we begin this sermon series called No Offense. I want us to look at this because look at how this verse continues in, in, uh, in, in James chapter 1. Let's read now to, into verse 20. Again, right, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then he adds here in verse 20, it says, because human anger 
does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, that's why I say all the time that we are not meant to be spiritual consumers, but we're supposed to let the teaching of the Word of God here, every sermon, every Bible study, every devotion, it should be changing us into the righteousness of God. Not our own righteousness, not our own anger. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires for your life, the righteousness that God desires for my life. And so the big idea that I want us to explore for the rest of our time together today is this. Your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires for your life. Your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires for your life. Now, here's the challenge when it comes to anger. The challenge for a lot of Christians, when we become angry, we're quick to justify our anger. (laughs) See, we're quick to criticize the anger of somebody else. But if we're really, really honest with each other, we're very quick to justify our own anger. And we as Christians, we've even labeled it. We've put a little doctrine and a little theology around our anger, and we call it righteous anger. And in the spirit, in, in, in the posture of righteous anger, we become jerks. <laughs> We become judgmental of people. We become very cruel to the way some people live their lives. Right Now, here's the challenge about this idea of righteous anger. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this topic. We're going to explore it more and more in this sermon series. But you need to understand something very important about this concept of righteous anger. Okay, The Bible does give you permission to be angry for one day. There is no teaching that I can find in the New Testament that allows a follower of Jesus to sit and stew in their anger for longer than a 24-hour period. You see, the Bible tells us, in our anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on our anger. You see... Anger has a way of gripping our hearts. And the writers of Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, want you to deal with your anger quickly. Because the longer you hang on to it, the more it doesn't become righteous anger, it becomes self-righteous anger. And how, how do you know you're suffering from self-righteous anger? Well, it's really easy to evaluate. What are you angry about? Are you angry about your sin and your shortcomings and your failures? Or are you angry about someone else's sin and someone else's shortcomings and someone else's poor decisions? You see, I remember uh, a few years ago I was at a leadership conference and uh, it was a season when, again, I was really struggling with this righteous anger. Uh, I, I was becoming an angry man. 
<laughs> because I was just looking at the world around me and it was very, very easy to just look at everything that was going on and just become very, very angry. And there was this movement of pastors that were very angry pastors. And it was cool and hip and popular to be an angry pastor. That's kind of just putting people in their place and just speaking prophetically over your city and just being this very, very angry man. And then this leader at this leadership conference said incredibly important words in my own life and in my own walk with God. He, you know, you know, sometimes when we use this language, well, you know, I, I love the sinner, but I hate their sin. I love the sinner, but I hate their sin. And so that's why I'm cruel and I'm harsh and I'm judgmental on their sin. And this speaker said these words, and it radically changed my life. He said, love the sinner and hate your own sin. <laughs> you see, because I'm not perfect. I mess up. I have sin. I struggle. I deal with stuff. I'm not the husband that I always want to be. I'm not the father that I always want to be. I'm not the pastor that I always want to be. So I need to learn to not be so concerned about their sin, not so concerned about your sin. But man, just let God work on my own sin. So that's how you know you can be trapped in this self-righteous anger. When you are more concerned with the sin of other people than the sin that does exist. It exists. I'm telling you as your friend and as your pastor, you are a sinner. You have sin in your life. And if you are more concerned with the sin of other people than working on your own sin issues, then you're stepping into self-righteous anger. Now again, God allows us to be angry for 24 hours. Deal with your anger. <laughs> right? So how do we do that? Right? And, and one of the things that we, I want us to look at, again, in this uh, time arc together today, is the lives, the lives that we are called to live as followers of Jesus, especially in kind of the, the up and the down and, and, the, and the confusion and the chaos of our culture today with lockdowns and isolation and quarantines and government restrictions and all, and do you do this? Do you not do this? Well, this person says and that person says and this website says and this website says and all of this stuff, right? Well, and here's the thing I think that all of us that I, that, that I want us to wrestle with is, is this question here. When it comes to your life and when it comes to your faith, do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? <laughs> do you want to make a point? Do you want to be right? Right? Like, you want to post the perfect article on Facebook that just goes, wow, Bob is right. And everyone acknowledges that you're right. Or do you want to make a difference? Do you want our church to make a difference in this city? To bring the light of Jesus into people's lives. Right? Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? Right? Look at Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 22, verses uh, 37 to 39. Right? When religious leaders asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Right? That's a great question. What is the most important thing out of this entire book? What is the most important thing? Jesus says these words. He says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. 
love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we can't love our neighbors when we're too busy trying to prove our point that we're right and they're wrong. You see, we can't love our neighbors when it's about our self-righteous anger of hating their sin more than we hate our own sin. (laughs) You see, because Jesus is not calling the church to be right. Jesus is calling the church to be loving. Now, I think it's very important to be right, and I'm a big believer in the importance of sound doctrine and of truth. But we never sacrifice that in such a way that it actually um, pushes more people away from Jesus than it draws people to Jesus. You see, the ministry of Jesus was he was never offended. Right? He, he didn't take anything personally. Right? Someone didn't say something to Jesus, and Jesus had to get all in a huff and feel like he has to defend himself. Right? And Jesus lived in a time when there was an opposing government over the people of God, where it wasn't a godly government making the decisions for the people of, of Israel. It was a Roman government. It was a pagan government over them. Even the leaders of Israel... Right? The kings of Israel and the religious leaders of Israel had drifted away from the heart of the teaching of the word of God. And, and, and Jesus doesn't seem overly concerned with putting them all in their place of being right. Jesus is more concerned with making a difference. So how can we deal with the anger that we might be feeling Well, two points that I want to leave you with today to ponder, and I'd really encourage you to write these down so that you can talk about these in your life group this week. You will get a lot more out of this sermon series if you are in a life group that's discussing this topic, and I really hope that you will do that because uh, I know we're going to have some interesting conversations over in my life group about this because a lot of people in my life group are in quarantine right now, so uh, this is going to be a really good conversation. So how do we overcome offense? How do we overcome this self-righteous anger that can grip our hearts? Well, the first is this, is I would encourage you to lower your expectation of non-Christians. Lower your expectation of non-Christians. I love this passage here from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 in verses 2 to 4, uh, because these passages here I think perfectly describe Uh, the world that we live in today, the culture that we live in today. It's what Paul writes to the young pastor Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. <laughs> like, does that not sound like the world that you and I find ourselves living in? Right? You see, the lost world all around us, the people that we know, the people that we care about, whether it's family members, whether it's friends from school, whether it's colleagues at work, the people who don't know God, the people who have never turned from their sin and have given their lives to Christ 
and to allow their lives to be made new by the power of the Holy Spirit, we should expect them to live by the ways of this world. Why would I ever expect a non-Christian business owner to make godly decisions in his business? It seems like I, I, I drive myself crazy putting that kind of expectations on someone. Why would I ever expect my non-Christian neighbor to live like a Holy Spirit-empowered follower of Jesus? Right? We need to kind of lower that expectation. We need to expect that non-Christians will live like non-Christians. Now, there is a flip side to this. And the flip side to this, and this is something that I do personally in my own leadership here, is that while I expect non-Christians to live like non-Christians, I expect Christians to live like Christians. <laughs> uh, a number of years ago, this is going back quite a while now, uh, probably about 10, 10, 13 years, it was a while ago, and I was mediating uh, a breakdown in relationship between one of the leaders at the church I was attending at the time and with um, uh, a, a, someone else from the church who, who was a Christian, but kind of a, a, you know, a new Christian, struggling in their faith Christian. And, um, and, and the relationship just got really, really brutal. And, and the leader just went on the attack and had to defend themselves and you know, just called this person all these nasty names and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I had to kind of mediate this. And I said flat out, said, hey, this person over here who's kind of new in the faith, struggling with their faith, their, their doctrine's not quite all there. I expect them to live that way because they're not there yet. Whereas you, you've been walking with God for like 30 years. You know the scriptures. You know the teachings of Jesus. You know these things. And I expect you to lead like a Christian leader. Right, so we have to kind of measure this out. We've got to use some discernment here, right? right? We shouldn't be so shocked by non-Christians, the sin of non-Christians, because the Bible says right here in this text in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that this is the way that they are going to live. This shouldn't shock us. We shouldn't be offended by it because it is the way the world is, right? So we lower that expectation on non-Christians, right, to help guard our heart against self-righteous anger, about being offended all the time, right, when we put this into a better perspective. And then the second point is this, is to raise your gratitude for God's grace. Raise your attitude for God's grace. We lower our expectation of non-Christians, but we raise our attitude when it comes to the grace of God. Right? One of my favorite verses from the New Testament comes from Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 8 and 9. And it says this. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works, so that none can boast. You see, your salvation from your sin is a free gift from God. You did nothing, nothing to pay for your sin. 
You see, the Bible teaches us because of humanity's sin, because of the sin of Adam that becomes an inheritance to all of humanity, because of the sin that you have done since the moment you left the womb, that you are guilty before a holy God, that your sin separates you from God. And all throughout human history, humanity has been trying to create religious rules and traditions and human morality in order to deal with their sin. But the reality is that sin can only be dealt with by the spilling of blood. That's what the Bible teaches. So that's why the people of Israel, they had this big sacrificial system where the sins of the people of Israel would go on these animals and temporarily God's wrath against sin would be appeased by these lambs and these goats and these bulls and these doves that were being sacrificed on the altar in the temple of God in Jerusalem. But that blood wasn't pure enough to deal with sin. And so God himself, the second part of the Trinity, the Son of God, Jesus, left his throne in heaven, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, And as he was empowered by the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he was able to accomplish the will of the Father, to do all of these miracles and signs to point people back to him, that God loves you. And he loves you so much that he's going to deal with your sin, not by your death, not by my death, but by his own death, that Jesus is becoming the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus dies on the cross for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the world. And that is a free, free gift. right? The more I ponder the free gift of God's salvation, the more I'm blown away. The, the, the more I'm blown away. Because I know my sin. I know the things I've been struggling with over the last two weeks. I know my self-righteous anger that has kicked in. I know how I've been offended. I know all the things I want to start posting on social media, but then I go back, 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 and I don't post it. (laughs) I know where my heart can go. But we raise our gratitude of God's grace because it's just simply by our faith in Jesus that our sin is dealt with. And so we're so grateful. I just want to close. I want to read one last story here because I think this for me just drives this idea of dealing with offense, of dealing with people who don't understand God's way, who are not empowered by the Spirit of God. And what is our response supposed to be here? I'm going to read this story here from uh, Luke chapter 8. I'm sorry, not Luke. uh, John chapter 8. And I'm going to start reading here in verse 2. This is a great story to capture this big idea that Your human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires in your life. Because God wants to produce righteousness in your life, but it's not going to come from your human anger. It's not going to come from your self-righteous anger. It's not going to come from you being offended all the time. (laughs) But this is where it comes from. Look at this. John chapter 8, starting in verse 2, it says, At dawn, he, this is Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people, people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap 
in order to have a basis for accusing him. You see, the reason the religious leaders are bringing this woman before Jesus to accuse her of her sin is not to help her repent in her sin. You see, their intention here is not the betterment of this woman. The intention of these leaders is the betterment of their position, of their self-righteousness, of the way they view themselves and all of this because they don't like what Jesus is doing. They don't like what Jesus is teaching. They don't care about this woman. They're not trying to restore her. They're not trying to see her set free from the sin in her life. It's a game. It's a game they're playing. And they're categorizing people. This person here is no good, is unsavable, is not worth our time. But we can use them for our betterment. It's, it's, it's a disgusting position from religious leaders. And then look at this. It continues here in verse 6. It says, But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. I've heard different people speculate what Jesus was writing. It's like, oh, Jesus is writing the sins of the Pharisees in the dirt. That's a cool story. That's not in the text. <laughs> so don't go there. Text doesn't say there. That makes a cool movie. It's like Jesus is writing the sin of everybody in the dirt, and they're all looking down and seeing their sin. doesn't say that, but it makes a cool movie. Anyways, Jesus is just writing on the ground with his finger. And when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who began to go away, sorry, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Thankfully, we see the older ones who kind of know the teachings of God, who've been walking with God longer. Their, their, their maturity is kind of showing here again, finally, thanks be to God. Uh, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, right. This isn't actually God's heart <laughs> in our position. The younger people, well, they're hanging on to their offense a little bit longer. So the older one disappear first. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And then Jesus says these words, Then neither do I condemn you. See, that's the heart of God. That is the heart of God. See, adultery was, was a big deal. Back in Jesus' day, in the people of Israel, there are so many commandments and teachings about the topic of sexual purity and adultery. They took it very, very seriously. And, and it became so legalistic that they lost their heart for people trapped in the sin of sexual immorality and adultery. And again, in the culture that you and I live in today that is so sexually charged... It kind of feels that way, too. That even though we believe in a traditional view of marriage between one man and one woman, even though we believe that, that, that there's only two genders, even though that we believe that there is a sexual ethics that God put in place for humanity, even though we believe that truth as it's taught in the Bible, it doesn't give us permission to condemn non-Christians who are living in a lifestyle outside 
of that. Jesus' heart is, I don't condemn you. See, their sin, they're already condemned in their sin. Jesus is calling us not to be the first ones to throw the stone, but to drop the stone and to love them. You see, what self-righteous anger does, self-righteous anger makes us hold on to the stone really tightly. And it makes us want to refuse because I deserve this. I'm allowed to throw this. But this teaching in John chapter 8, Jesus says, drop the stone. Leave that person to God. God will judge. God will figure it out. But if you want to be right, or do you want to make a difference? Do you want to be right, or do you want to make a difference? Do you want to defend, or do you want to make a difference? Right? It's No, Jesus doesn't call us to be right. He calls us to be loving. Our goal isn't to make a point. Our goal as the church is to make a difference in people's lives. Your human anger will never produce the righteousness of God that God wants for your life. Yes, God wants us to be mindful of truth. Yes, God wants us to, you know, make sure that we believe in sound doctrine and all of those things. But it must be done in a way where we give up our anger. 24 hours. That's it. 24 hours. You need to deal with it. How can you deal with it? Lower that expectation on non-Christians to live like Christians. Raise <laughs> the, the way you view God's grace and in your own life, your gratitude towards God's grace, and let the power of Jesus work in and through you. Because you will become more like Jesus when we submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now maybe some of you today, you've joined us here online, and you're hearing about this grace of God, and this is the first time you've ever heard about this. Maybe you thought church was all about being religious and keeping rules and traditions and commandments and church is supposed to be boring and supposed to make your life suck and be miserable. <laughs> but you're hearing this message today that God loves you and that your sin can be dealt with by simply believing. Well, right where you are right now, you can become a follower of Jesus just by praying. A simple prayer that says, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me new. If you pray that, the prayer, this, the, sorry, the, the passage there from Ephesians chapter 2, that is now what has happened in your life, that you have now been saved from your sin because of the grace of God. And the Spirit of God comes on you now and makes you his dwelling place. And as you learn, as you grow, as you connect with him, as you pray, as you join a life group, as you let the Spirit of God speak in your life, you will become more and more like Jesus. And if you did that today, please let us know. A little pop-up shows up in the chat. Please just let us know. A little form pops up. Just put your name and your email address. No one's going to get that information but me. I would love to follow up with you this week and welcome you into the family of God. And for the rest of us who made that decision to follow Jesus, whether it's decades ago, whenever that was, let's look at our hearts this week. Talk about it openly and transparently in your life group. How is your anger in this season? How is your anger in this latest pandemic wave? What are you dealing with? What are you struggling with? What are you gripping onto and hanging on to that God might be telling you to drop and to let it go? 
as we continue to worship. Let's trust that the Spirit of God will begin to help us answer that question as we continue to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.